Dedicated to the survival of American democracy in an increasingly dangerous world, this is Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney, acted as Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Policy under President Ronald Reagan, founder and president of the Center for Security Policy in Washington, D.C., the go-to man for defense and foreign policy issues, joined by the greatest minds in the security policy business, the special forces in the war of ideas at Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. Welcome. It is a delight to say that we are joined from the United Kingdom, the, the far side of the pond, the way we think of it here, by Douglas Murray, one of the brightest, relatively young minds on issues of great import to not only his country and Western civilization more generally, but I believe also to the United States. Um, his most recent book is The Strange Death of Europe, Immigration, Identity, and Islam. He is a senior poobah at uh, an institution I admire greatly, the Henry Jackson Society in the United Kingdom, and um, a voluble contributor to the public policy debate, both here and there, and it's always a delight to catch up with him. Uh, Douglas, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Good to catch you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Well, it's been a while since we've talked, and I'm calling to check in to see whether rigor mortis has set in yet on on Europe. And, you know, the sort of symptoms that you're seeing, uh, not only in the UK, but across the Channel as well. Well, it's um, it's a fascinating time in Europe. Uh, my book, The Strange Death of Europe, came out uh, nine months ago, and everything I described in it seems to have just picked up a pace since then. We have extraordinary events going on across the continent on a daily basis, so extraordinary that a lot of them don't make the news, something which uh, you and your listeners will be familiar with in other contexts. But, I mean, we, we have seen, for instance, just um, just yesterday uh, in France, in, in Paris, there were two uh, extraordinary things that happened, um, which nobody really, it seems to me, wanted to connect the first was the very, very sad uh, site of the uh, funeral, the, the official uh, funeral arrangements for the French policeman who was killed last week in uh, in the hostage situation in the south of France, and uh, who was honoured by the French state. Uh, he had done an extraordinary thing in offering himself uh, in place for a hostage in the uh, in the hostage situation, which uh, an ISIS. Uh, a member, somebody claiming allegiance to ISIS, had uh, carried out. And then just at the same time, you know, um, a little bit further away in Paris, a bit further out in Paris, the uh, just terrible, terrible sight of a silent march past the flat of an 85-year-old Jewish woman um, who was stabbed and burned to death last weekend by people who are identified in the press merely as neighbors. Uh, and this is, this is a woman who, uh, as a nine-year-old girl, was deported uh, from Paris because she was Jewish, uh, was deported to Auschwitz. She survived. And seven decades later, uh, those same fires of hatred uh, caught up with her in diverse, multicultural 21st century France. And the reason I mention these things is because um, there is so little desire uh, to dig even a little bit underneath them, to even identify the fact that it happens to be exactly the same ideology 
that was responsible for the death of our Nobel Tram last week and the death of the woman Muriel Noel. Uh, it's the same, uh, the same uh, fanaticism, the same terrible Islamist ideology. And yet we are still in this position that even as multiple uh, observances and funerals happen in the same city, nobody wants to say why they're going on. This raises a question that you sort of prompted with your opening remark. That is, is the lack of reporting, in some cases of of these incidents at all, and in other cases, a sort of obscuring of what is happening, uh, a failure to mention the ideology, for example, or even the places from which the perpetrators of these outrages hail – that reflects a a suppressing of freedom of speech or a a suppressing of our understanding of the threat we're facing. And is this, in fact, a symptom, uh, maybe the death rattle of Europe, which you've described as experiencing this this strange death? It's certainly a part of of a process like the one you described. What is so striking now from uh, across the whole continent is the fact that the news that is reported is basically mediated at some level. Uh, Let me give you an example. My book's just come out in translation in Germany, among other countries. And uh, a lot of readers have already said to me, you know, that the experience they have with the German press, and I've observed this myself in recent years, is that they have to learn how to read the newspapers, given the lack of information the newspapers want to give them. So, for instance, if you read that... um, a person was killed by another person in a place and there is no identifying characteristic. The German public now assume and correctly assume in most cases that that the people in question uh, were migrants. Uh, It's the same in Sweden and other countries across Europe. Uh, You read of things that have happened which just didn't happen even a few years ago. A grenade attack, for instance, another grenade attack. And uh, because nobody is identified People know this is not just another person who used to live down the road from me in Sweden. I've known their family for a long time who's decided to pick up grenades and start hurling them. But it's a very new type of thing altogether. But the point is, is that the general public are having to learn how to read their own news to try to get to the truths which are trying to be kept from them. It's kind of like what the Russians used to do in the Soviet Union, you know, interpreting Pravda, the truth, which was anything but to figure out what was actually going on. It's extraordinary that it's happening in, you know, the free Western world, as is something else. And uh, and this is a topic that, um, for obvious reasons, uh, one is reluctant to explore. But it must be discussed, I think, uh, Douglas Murray, and that is this sort of sexual submission that is a, a kind of light motif of you mentioned Sweden uh, it's happening in Germany it's happening in your own country Great Britain and and that is this uh, uh, well it, it takes different manifestations I guess it's it's the rapes it's the uh, the so-called grooming gangs it's the harassing of women in the public space because they're not you know properly covered. Again, I, I gather there has been a, a, a rather pronounced tendency to avert one's gaze from all of this, particularly the officials uh, and the authorities who are responsible for protecting girls. And so on. talk to us about these so-called grooming gangs. What, what are they about and uh, what have they gotten away with? 
this is one of the most extraordinary stories of our time. The idea that foreigners from abroad come to our country and rape our women is basically one of the most, it's one of the most basic uh, racist tropes throughout history. It's got everything that you would that you would assume that some very you know ugly type of racist would want to come up with, and so it's understandable that people sort of hesitate before this. The problem is is that in my view you have to still whatever people are going to do with it report the facts when they occur, and that is not something that's been able to happen in Britain in particular in recent years. Douglas, please hold that thought. We will be right back with more with the great Douglas Murray of the Henry Jackson Society in Britain, the author of The Strange Death of Europe, Immigration, Identity, and Islam, right after this. Visit us at facebook.com slash securefreedom with Frank Gaffney.